0: Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, please, over to 2 Timothy. I want to share something this evening. I'm not going to preach for a very long time, I don't believe. And this will all be fairly simple. I don't really have a complicated button. You know what I mean? Some people, you hear him teach and you think, wow, that's just really fancy. Or where'd they get that from? And you won't think I'm fancy. And you'll know where I got it from today. But it doesn't mean it can't burn in your heart like fire. So... 2nd Timothy chapter 1. I want to talk for the next few days about stirring up the gift. Everyone say stir up the gift. Do you realize it's possible to have something in you? A gift which is of God, from God, to be used for God. But it be lying at least in a measure dormant. 2nd Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul says this, wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Everyone say it again. Say stir up the gift. Which is in you. No, that's my bit. (laughs) Thank you for your enthusiasm. That was my bit. I was just pausing for dramatic effect. Which is in you. By the putting on or by the laying on of my hands. So Paul said this to his, his young son in the faith, Timothy. He said, Timothy, I've got to tell you something. I've got to tell you to stir up the gift. I believe it's possible to have a gift of God, from God, to be used for God, that is lying at least in a measure dormant. I wonder today, you know, in fact, every denomination was once a move of God. Once it was a blaze, it used to be a fire. And I wonder if Timothy, excuse me, Paul would come to where I live in England and some of the great denominations of past. You see these magnificent buildings, magnificent cathedrals, and they're still stunning, but they're a cloud without water. And I wonder if the Apostle Paul would come and he would stand in those pulpits and speak to the leaders of those denominations and say, stir up the gift. God gave you something to carry. God gave you something to to work with. I wonder if he would look at whole denominations, maybe here in America, and say, guys, stir up the gift. You used to be ablaze. I wonder if he would look at churches, churches that maybe are still very large, perhaps they're not as large as they used to be. And he would look and say, stir up the gift. What about to you? What about to me? I wonder if he would come and he would say, John, stir up the gift. It's in there, but you got to stir it up for God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But a power love and a sound mind. And many times it's fear that shuts down the gift. What would people think? What if I lose my job? What if people stop coming to my church? What if, what if they say unpleasant things about me? What if someone puts something mean on Facebook? What if I have no money? We all come to these what ifs and fear will shut down the gift of God. But there are things in us that need to be stirred up. And I want to talk about that over the next couple of days. I want to talk about the gift, stirring up the gift, exercising the gift, operating in the gift, walking in the gift, releasing the gift, what the gift can do. I don't know if we can do all that in three days, but what the gift can do. Because if you think about it for a minute, of the nine that we call gifts of the spirit, I know there's there's more charisma gifts, there's 26 mentioned in the New Testament. But of the nine gifts of the spirit, any one of those in its operation... Any one of them could bring revival to a city. Any one of them. Gift of healings, operating in your life or a church. That gift alone could bring a move of God to a city. The gift of prophecy, developed, matured, could bring revival to a city. Discerning of spirits. Any one of those gifts in and of themselves. And so we need to understand the gifts. We need to know what they are, how to operate in them. But before we can understand the gifts... We have to know the giver. Now, I know I am preaching. In fact, I stood at my church on Sunday. I said, and if you can watch the podcast or something or listen to the podcast, you'll hear me say this. I said, I can't wait to stand in the pulpit at Heart of the Bay. Because Heart of the Bay, you are, and I'm not saying this to flatter. If I wanted to flatter, I could say flattering things. But I haven't come this far to flatter you. But I will say what I believe, which is this. And I say this in sincerity. This is a deep river. Heart of the Bay is, is what Gateway wants to be when we grow up. We have, a, we have a Great Dane puppy. He's 19 weeks old. He weighs 30 kilograms. His name's Rudy. He's my son's dog. And at the park, he looks more like a, a dog called a, a Weimaraner because he's, he's blue, what they call blue. It's actually gray, but in doggy terms, it's blue. And so a lot of people say, is that a Great Dane? And to which I answer, he will be when he grows up. Is gateway hard to debate? We will be when we grow up. But you have a depth of the word and a depth of the spirit. And a, it's just, this is a beautiful, beautiful river to get to stand in. And I felt genuinely honored to be here. So I know that I'm preaching to a mature choir. But yet I still want to talk about who is the giver of the gift. You remember when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt through Moses He didn't say bring them into the promised land. He said bring them into the wilderness so they can worship me in the wilderness. Because if you meet the promises before you meet the promise giver, the promises become shallow. They don't mean as much to you. You don't know what to do with them. You don't understand them. And so if you would permit me the liberty to take a few minutes this evening and talk about who is God. Who is he? I genuinely believe this will be helpful because this for a little while now has been stirring in me absolutely hugely. And the apostle Paul does something You and I, I would think it unthinkable. I'm not as brave as the Apostle Paul by a country mile. He does something which I think is very powerful. He tries to describe God with one word. God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son. Describes him in one word, which is not easy. Because if I was trying to describe God, I'd say, okay, um, all right, I'm kind of going to wax poetic and say, he's the lily of the valley, he's the bright morning star, he's the, he's the sun of the morning, he's the rose of Sharon. He's, you could kind of go that way, or you could kind of go a little more, okay, this is what he does. He's a redeemer, he's a deliverer, he's a, a water walker, he's a, he's a fish grower. He's, you could kind of go down that road, or or you could go a little more affectionate and say, he's my hero, he's my best friend, he's, he's my comforter, he's my... Ca-. How do you describe God with one word? I can't even describe Angela with one word. That's my wife. That takes me a long time. I just wrote a Valentine's Day card and left it with her. Killer brownie points right there, I'm telling you. (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. Left the Valentine's Day card. Hint, hint for those of you that uh, have yet brought your Valentine's Day card. It took me paragraphs to say what I want. Paul attempts the unattemptable. And he says this, and you'll find this in Second Corinthians chapter 13. He says this, he says, let me, let me describe God. If there's, if there's one thing that you need to know about Jesus, he says this in the very last verse of Second Corinthians 13, he said, you need to know about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You think of all the things that, that Jesus has done. All the things he did for us, all the things, he's lion and lamb, he's slain before the foundation of the world, he's he's the word of God made flesh. But if you know nothing else about Jesus, you've got to know his grace. Everything he did for you, everything he did for me, it comes out of his grace. And above every other characteristic, Paul said, Jesus is gracious. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus hanging on the cross, that was grace hanging there. Jesus feeding people that were hungry. That was grace that did that. Jesus lifting Peter up out of the water when he was sinking. That was grace. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That was grace personified. Grace in the flesh is Jesus Christ. And to spend time with Jesus is to be around amazing grace. His throne is... Aren't you glad you approach a throne called grace? Grace. Not a throne called judgment, not a throne called bondage, not a throne called rules and regulations, but a throne called grace. And every time you get on your knees and you come into the presence of Jesus, you know his grace is sufficient for you. If you're anything like me, I feel like I've taxed that grace. I've tested that grace, but I can tell you I haven't because his grace is greater than my sin. And to know Jesus, you have to know his grace. It just blows me away. He said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he said to the father, this is what you got to know about your father. His love. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's amazing how even in churches like yours and churches like mine, we still, if we're not careful, default to a God who is a little bit mad at us, but thank God for the grace of Jesus that we escape the lightning bolt. But God is hes frustrated with us. He's just waiting to that moment where he can open a vial or a scroll or a send a horse with a rider and a green sword and 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 he's just itching to release that judgment because he's a he's an avenge for God and no my friend Paul said you've got it if you know nothing else about your father you've got to know he loves you he loves you just as you are he loved you when you were dead in your sins he came and he found you and he called you by name. Before you were formed in the womb, he chose you. Levi and I were talking the other day and I said, son, I said, he and I go for a lot of night walks. And, and that's kind of part of our hangout time. And, and I said, he said, dad, what do you think I'm going to be when I grow up? And I said, well, I can see several different things in you. I said, I could, you know, I, I could see you going down this road. And I said, but also I see a lot of, you know, your personality be really suited to that. But I said, Levi, reality, you've got two dads. And that question you're asking, you're asking the wrong dad. Because your father in heaven, he was the one that formed you and called you before you were even in the womb. And I have the great joy and the great privilege of shepherding your heart. And teaching you to know him and teaching you to love him. But at some moment you let go of my hand, you hold on to his because he knows your end from your beginning. And whatever he calls you to do, son, I will champion your cause every day that I have breath. But that question is between you and your father. My friend, God loves you. He loves you. That that song that they wrote up at Bethel, he doesn't give his heart in pieces. He doesn't withhold his heart to tease you. He doesn't play those games that we play with one another where we're mad so we look out the window and I'm not even going to talk to you and I'm in a huff and God doesn't do huffy puffy. Every day is Valentine's Day as far as God is concerned towards you. Paul said, if you know nothing else about your father, you've got to know he loves you. David said this of God. He said, Lord, keep me as the apple of your eye. He didn't say, make me the apple. I know you're mad at me, but one. He said, no, Lord, keep me as the apple of your eye. And the Bible declares of a child of God, he that touches you, touches the apple of his eye. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Height nor depth. America, Europe, principality, power, heaven, hell, riches, poverty. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He loves you. And that has to be the foundation of all your theology. And everything else you know is that the great I am is on your side. And he loves you. And he believes in you. He loves it when you wake up. He's excited when you talk to him. His heart hurts when you ignore him. He wants to be with you. He is your father. And if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will our father which is in heaven. Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. And while we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Paul said this. He said my goodness. You've got to know the grace of Jesus. If I could describe Jesus in one word. It would be grace. If I could describe the father in one word. It would be love. God doesn't have love. He is love. He has power, but he is love. And he said, now the Holy Spirit, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. If there's one thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit, it's his communion. It's his friendship. He wants to be your friend. Jesus wants to be gracious to you. God, the Father wants to pour his love out on you. And the Holy Spirit wants to be your very, very closest friend. He said, you've got to know the communion of the Holy Spirit. The word communion means fellowship. and means sharing together. It means participation. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to participate with you at every moment of every day. I love the analogy given of the Lord Jesus when the Holy when he was baptized of John in the water. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God would take away the sins of the world. And Jesus came to be baptized. And John said, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, No, it's a good thing. Let's do it. And so Jesus went down in the water. And when he came up and he prayed, the heaven was open. And a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came and rested on his shoulder like a dove. And the Bible says that the dove didn't leave. How do you walk around with the dove on your shoulder and the dove not leave? Seriously, I mean, how would you do that? How would you? Every step you take, you take with the dove in mind. Will this please the dove? Will the dove stay if I say this? Will the dove st- Every step you take with the dove in mind. Jesus walked with the dove on his shoulder and the dove did not leave. The communion of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship, the participation, the sharing together. Because the Holy Spirit, another word for paraclete there is the word helper. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to help me. And sometimes you hear that and you think, well, wait a cotton pick in a minute. No, God, I should be helping you. I'm the servant. You're the master. I should be helping you. Well, first question, with what? I mean, come on. <laughs> with the best, what are you and I going to help God do that He can't do all fine just by Himself? He even said to, I think it was Job. Were you there when I spoke and brought the land out the water? Were you there when I said the sea could only go this far? He was kind of putting Job in his. Were you there when I put the snow in the sky? And no, what are we supposed to help him with? No, the Holy Spirit comes to help us. With well, him, we have to know the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we feel really undeserving to be helped by the Holy Spirit. I don't deserve your help. Yes, hence the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father. But the Holy Spirit comes to help us. He wants to help me. Well, then the question becomes, well, help me do what? He wants to help me glorify Jesus. The role of the Holy Spirit, the communion, the fellowship, the instruction, the teaching, the participation of the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of helping me glorify Jesus. I can't do that by myself. My best sermons, my best songs, my greatest ideas, my biggest financial gifts, my, my wisdom, my intelligence, my, my chisel physique. None of those things. How do I glorify Jesus? But the Holy Spirit, when he comes and rests on my shoulder like a dove, he helps me to glorify Jesus. He helps me to honor the king. He helps me to to demonstrate to Jesus who's magnificent. But the sad truth is, my friend, the Holy Spirit helps some people more than he helps other people. For the reason that some people are listening and other people are not. See, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be another helper. That word another means numerically different, but exactly the same. Question, did Jesus help everybody the same? No. There were some people that Jesus tried to help, but they wouldn't let him. Jesus had 12 disciples. He could have had 13. In, in you know, in kind of Western culture, 13 is an unlucky number. It's not. There's nothing unlucky about the number 13. It's just a number like any other number. Jesus called the 13th disciple, or or, or put it this way, gave opportunity to a 13th disciple. A rich young man came to him one day and Jesus said, Lord, how can I um, have eternal life? And Jesus said, go sell everything you have and follow me. And the young man went away sad because he valued his possessions more than he valued Jesus. And the Bible says, and Jesus was sad. But he didn't go running after. He said, oh, okay, all right, that didn't work. Um, All right, that was a little hard. Okay, let's let's tone it down a notch. Just sell a little bit, you know, keep some, and maybe just lose one of the cars and, and, you know, a chariot or two and, you know, keep a couple of horses and a, a tunic. But no, no, no. Jesus gave him the opportunity. We never hear of that young man again. Maybe he was supposed to be the one to replace Judas. Son of perdition. We don't know that. They cast lots and picked someone else because they needed to be 12. Maybe he was the one. Whatever it was, Jesus called him and he said no. And so the disciples were helped in an incredible way. You think about this for a minute. Think about Peter's first sermon. You find it in Acts chapter 2. Peter standing up with the eleven said, These aren't drunk as you suppose. Things but the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day. saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. He goes on and on. He preaches his sermon. And at the end, 3,000 people are saved. Just the men. Because in those days, they only counted the men. So 3,000 men. The next day... Peter and someone else are going to pray, and they go past the, the gate of the temple, and there's a man there that was asking for money, and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up. His feet and ankle bones received strength, and he went walking and leaping and praising God. And another 5,000 people are saved, just the men. So at least 8,000 people were born again in Peter's first couple of days of ministry. Peter was a spectacular evangelist. He was an incredible fisher of men. But in reality, Peter's story didn't start in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 when he preached his first sermon. Peter's story started three and a half years before when Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. So in reality, Peter was a great soul winner, not because of the virtue of the student, but because of the wonder of the teacher. Spend three and a half years with Jesus and you too might become a great fisher of men or a great whatever it might be. Because Jesus said, you follow me, I'll make you into something. And so Jesus, in three and a half years, spectacularly transformed 12 people from fishermen and tax collectors and doctors and whatnot into apostles of the Lamb. That to this day, 2,000 years later, the church, church is growing at a rate never known before. Because he taught, he helped, you could say, 12 people. And Jesus said in, I think it's John chapter 16, thereabouts. He was preparing his disciples for the fact that he was going to leave. And he said this in John chapter 16, verse 6. He said, because I've told you these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Talk about an understatement. If you've just spent three and a half years with Jesus. Now you've given up your job. You've given up your career. You left your boats a long time ago. You've got no one to collect money from. And you've changed your ways anyway. So so there, there you are. And you've had this wonderful three and a half years. I got to spend a a, a few weeks with Reinhard Bonnke in one of his crusades in Africa and and sitting around the table with him. And my goodness, I mean, I still pinch myself that I got that opportunity and stood on that platform and saw 1.6 million people born again in five days. And and was there when the Holy Spirit came through that field and you felt this and the sound trucks began to sway as the sound of 750,000 people praying in tongues. It was like the sound of many waters. I stood 10 feet from Niagara Falls. This sound was mightier. It was, it was. And then that, that couple of weeks with him changed me. But man, three and a half years with Jesus. They'd seen him take five loaves and two fishes and feed thousands of people. That they got to be part of it. They, they participated in the miracle. He said, look, I'll get, you give it out. Just watch it. Trust me. This is going to get a kick out of this. When he waited three days. And Lazarus, I mean, in King James. He, he stinketh. And Jesus stood there with all the people standing around. And with as cool as a cucumber said, Lazarus, come forth. And out comes Lazarus. Loose him and let him go," said Jesus. They saw him open the eyes of the blind. It had never been heard of one who opened the eyes of someone born blind. His teachings, his corrections—I mean, they even got told off by Jesus and loved it. They were the Donga Gong of the spiritual elite. They, I mean, they were—they were like the ultimate prophet's right-hand man. They held his scrolls. They. Took care of his sandals. They got the boats ready. They, they, they went and fetched the donkey. I mean, they were, they were there for three and a half years. Elite of elite. And Jesus said, guys, I'm going. And in their minds, everything they'd experienced for the last three and a half years was going to come crashing down. Everything was going to come to a halt. There'd be no more miracles. There'd be no more teachings. There'd be no more insights into... Jesus said, let me tell you about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was the master of making something complicated, simple. We're the opposite. We take faith that a 12-year-old could understand and teach on it for six months. By the end, no one has a clue what faith is. (laughs) I can tell you if I've got faith more than I can tell you if I'm a chicken or a penguin. (laughs) Jesus did the complete opposite. He said, the kingdom of heaven. It's like a seed. So let me tell you. The kingdom of heaven. It's like a lady looking for a coin. All that in their mind was over. No more revelation, no more insight, no more miracles, no more supernatural provision, no more growth. No more leaving Jesus' presence and, and casting out demons and healing the sick and then getting to come back and, and tell them all about it. No more help when they couldn't cast the demon out of someone. But Jesus did it with his eyes closed. They said, Lord, why couldn't we do it? And he said, well, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. They'd never know again how to cast out a demon they couldn't cast out in their minds. And Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 6, because I've told you these things, sorrow has filled your heart. But, If I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. But it will be better for you if I go. Because if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And he will take what's mine and show it to you. Jesus even said, there's so much I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. But when he has come, because Jesus said everything That I have been to you, the Holy Spirit will be to you. Because in reality, Jesus helped some people more than other people. Because Jesus was a great helper, unless he was helping someone else. Because Jesus could only be in one place at one time. So if he's over helping me in Birmingham, what are you guys going to do? You've got to wait till he comes back. Because Jesus, in that moment, couldn't be in San Francisco and Birmingham at the same time. But the Holy Spirit, he'll not only be with you, Jesus said, he'll be in you. He'll be in you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he will help you glorify me. This is why the Bible gives the admonition. If you've got an ear, hear what the Spirit is saying. Trust me, he's saying. So if you find an area in your life where there is not fruitfulness... It lets you know you've discovered an area where you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak because he know his, knows his way out of every pickle. There is no problem he can't solve. There is no city he can't save. There's no disease he can't cure. Come on. There's no childhood trauma he can't deliver you from and, and, and renew you in. I say to Pastor Mark, I just got back from Thailand like eight days ago. And my translator is a a young man named Dakota, and he was one of the boy soldiers. And he was rescued out of that life, and he's told some of the stories, and it is, it's devastating. They were five, six years old, they were either kidnapped or sold into the drug armies. And those boy soldiers were used for several things. One of them was to find the landmines in in the drug fields. Well, you can imagine how they, they would just walk through in a line, a hundred boys, and they'd find all the landmines. And I don't need to go into any details to what that would entail. They would pull them out, the, their, their captains of their army, whatever you'd call them, they'd pull them out once a month. So the first day of the month, they'd line up a hundred boys and they would shoot one of them just to keep the rest of them in line. You and I would think with our Western mindset that you would never recover from that. Psychologically, there's no, there's no coming back from that. We would think. And if you had any chance of living any form of functional life, you would need therapy and counseling. and. But I'm telling you, I have met dozens of former boy soldiers that the only person they've met is Jesus. And the power of God to redeem a life. And these young men are married, they are fathers, and they're doing a good job as husbands, and they're doing a good job as dads, and they're running ministries, and they're serving, and they're leading, and they're full of the joy of the Lord, and they're not hung up on their past. They're excited about, about God. They're alive in every sense of the word. Only Jesus can do that. My friend, the Holy Spirit wants to help you to glorify Jesus. He wants to help me to glorify him. And Jesus said, look, I'm going. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. He said, and what I'm doing is paving the way. I'm going to take your sin away because your body will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. My friend, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. Word paraclete means a counselor. He's a helper, intercessor. He's an advocate, a strengthener, a standby. But I genuinely believe that the greatest word to describe the Holy Spirit in my life is helper. Everyone take a minute and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Come on, just take a second. Let's interrupt this sermon for for a, a little break. And let's take a minute and pray a prayer of our own. Come on. See, the Holy Spirit's not going to save the world for you. He's not going to pray for you. He's not going to study for you or walk in love for you, but he will certainly help you to do it. He absolutely will help you to do it. Jesus said, I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comfort, a different numerically, but of the exact same kind. My friend, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And I believe we need to, even you and me, in our spirit-filled churches, we need to reacquaint ourselves with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As we talk about stirring up the gift, which we are, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about operating in the gifts in hopefully a simple way as humanly possible. But before we talk about the gift, you've got to know the giver. Jesus if you could describe him in one word we talked about this a minute ago what, what would the word be according to the apostle Paul grace and if you want to talk about your father what's the best word to describe him love and now the dear precious Holy Spirit it's communion so when you approach Jesus don't act like you've got to earn something don't do that because he's so gracious. If, if God could be offended, I believe that would almost offend his, his very nature. Don't act like we just have to deserve it or have to earn it or disqualified it because we've made a mistake. No, he, he's so gracious. It's un, unspeakable. And when you approach the father, don't approach him as if he's mad at you. Don't, don't come groveling. Come boldly before the throne of grace because your father in heaven loves you more than you and I will ever be able to comprehend. Don't, don't do that to him. Don't, any, any healthy natural father with a healthy relationship with a child would be devastated if their child questioned, Dad, do you love me? Do you? you know, no, of course I do, son. How could, you, how could you ever think I don't love you? I love that meme. It was going around on Facebook a little while ago. Religion says, I screwed up. Dad's going to kill me. Relationship says, I screwed up. I need to talk to dad. My friend, it's the, it's the ladder with God. I messed up. God, I need to talk to you. I believe we almost would, have, would offend his senses to question his love. And the Holy Spirit, don't ignore him. Don't do that to him. Don't, don't, don't offend him that way by ignoring him. And by shutting him out and going about your day and going about your business and going about your morning and your commute to work and your and your marriage and your parenting and your, your ministry and your worship and, and, and we ignore him and we do it all in our own strength. And Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I'm going to live for you. And Jesus, I burn for you. And, and the Holy Spirit saying, great, but let me help you. <laughs> you. You can't glorify him without you. Jesus told you, I'll glorify him. I'm the one that does all that. John, listen to me. Because I'm trying to tell you. You need to do this. That's what will glorify him. You need to go here. That's what will glorify him. Don't shut the Holy Spirit out. I was with a pastor recently. In Texas. And I was preaching at his church. And he was talking about. Well, We got to talking about Catherine Coleman. She was an interesting character. She died before I was born. Sadly, I never got to be in one of her meetings. But. Watching her video, she was odd. Quirky, one might say. <laughs> and she'd float out in her little glass slippers. <laughs> her long dresses and, Hello there, have you been waiting for me? And, you know, point her bony finger and with a f- fake accent and all these things. She was odd. Let's be honest, she was odd. But, when she walked in a room... The Holy Spirit walked in with her. And this pastor who was fairly newly saved, actually he's from California, lives in Texas now, but she was somewhere over here. And he said, I walked in those meetings somewhat skeptical about the whole thing. He said, John, he's now however old he is, his late 60s. He said, I've been pastoring for 40 plus years. He said, I have never seen since the miracles that I saw in that woman's meeting." And she said, as she would talk, and the Holy Spirit would come and fill that room, and cancers would just disappear, and and eyes would open. He said, John, the, the, the wheelchairs were, th- were deep, three deep, all across the platform. What, what did she know? Was she born under a lucky star? Was she? Because she used to say this all the time. She said, any one of you can have what I have. It would take her five minutes to say that st- sentence, but... Any one of you can have what I have. Because in reality, what she had was a relationship. And when you think about it, different different things have currency. If you want to buy a banana, it's I don't know, fifty cents or a dollar or something. If you want to buy a house, it's it's got that's got currency. And and if you want to be, you know, if you want to be great at football, you you gotta you know, spend a lot of time, 10,000 hours this say, kicking the ball. I mean, proper football. The clue is in the name, by the way. English soccer, where you use your feet. Anyways, I'm not going to get into all of that, but the clue is in the name. It's not rocket science, people. But anyway, back to point. Relationships have a currency too. You can't buy a relationship. That's a very shallow, we won't go into details of the type of relationship you buy, but it's very shallow. You're paying for a relationship. The currency of a relationship is time. We, we became better friends today because we spent a couple of hours talking, and so we're closer than we were before because we spent more time together. The person I am closest with on the planet in human form is Angela. Because I've no one I spent more time with than Angela. The currency of every relationship is time. The currency of your relationship with the Holy Spirit is time. I remember hearing Lynn Hammond say years ago, in fact, I watched the video again on the airplane coming over, where she said, God said to me, I can do anything in your life. Change any relationship. Do anything in your church, any anything, if you'll just give me one thing, and that one thing is time so we can talk about the gifts and we will but really first we got to know the giver and spend time with the giver the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit so can we take just a minute this evening we're we got we got plenty of time we're not going to be long this evening We've got several more nights to spend together and Rome wasn't built in a day. But let's take a few minutes and encounter the Holy Spirit. Can we do that? It'd be a crying shame to talk about him all night long and then say, okay, let's go home. Anyone, anyone Starbucks? No. No, we've made that mistake too many times. Let's not make that one tonight because Jesus said specifically regarding the Holy Spirit. You have not because you ask not. Simplest mistake we make regarding the Holy Spirit is exactly that: you have not because you ask not; therefore, you have because you ask. So let's ask. Can we close our eyes for a bit, sir? Would you mind coming up to the keyboard? Could you just play something, just kind of slow block chords? And in fact, you know what? We might even do this. This might be a good idea because sometimes we get stuck in a, stuck in our seat. You know what I mean? Seats are lovely. But on that great last day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried, saying, if anyone's thirsty, sit there. I'll come to your seat. Don't move. I got this covered. No, he didn't didn't say, say, he said, if you're thirsty, come, come and come to me. And there's something symbolic about leaving a seat that says this. I'm leaving one way. I'm coming back another way. We've got some space. I love this big altar area. I'm highly jealous of it. So can we get out of our seat and come find a spot somewhere? It doesn't matter if we're not in a nice line. And let's just take some time and maybe start by thanking Jesus for his grace. Jesus said, I'm the way. He said, if you want to come to the Father, come through me. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, come on. Jesus, 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 your grace, it amazes me. Why would you love me like that, Lord? Why would you pay my price? Jesus, you've been so gracious to me. Come on, don't just listen to my prayer. Pray your own one. Jesus, you've been so gracious to me. gracious to me, Lord Jesus. Father, you love me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love me. And Father, can I say, I love you too. I really, really do. I love you too. I love everything about you. I love everything about you. Father, I always will. And I long for the day when I stand in heaven and I see you. See you face to face. Jesus, you're my hero. Oh, but Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Dear Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to commune with you. Please forgive me. So many times I've been too busy to listen. And I've tried to perfect in my flesh what can only be done by the Spirit. Dear Holy Spirit, I know it's not by might. It's not by power, but it will be by you. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, sir, it's you that raises up a standard against him. I know I have no power of my own. Holy Spirit, anoint me, please, to glorify Jesus. That his kingdom would come. That his will would be done. Dear Holy Spirit. Teach me. I give you permission to correct me. Holy Spirit I don't know how to pray as I ought. Make intercession for me according to the will of God. I yield my tongue to you. I yield my heart to you. Help me to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. Speak the word to me that faith might grow in my heart. Holy Spirit, do what you need to do. Prepare me to be a sanctuary. That Jesus would be glorified. Oh, Jesus Shamanda kosi kalabando kokola kashike Lord that I might be able to say like Paul I thank God I speak in tongues more than anybody Holy Spirit I yield my thoughts to you I know that you are the spirit of power You are the spirit of love Lord you make me bold Holy Spirit make me bold That I might be strong In the Lord and in the power Of his might Lord strengthen me Strengthen me to stand in this world and at this time and unashamedly and unreservedly live for Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, take my feet and cause them to be beautiful bringing glad tidings. Let my tongue be like a pen, the pen of the ready writer and write God's word on people's hearts. Holy Spirit, give gifts to people through my life. Lord, I yield myself to you. Give gifts of healing, words of insight, words that would encourage. Dear Holy Spirit, please let me be found ready. Let me be found with an ear to hear what you're saying. Let me be full. Holy Spirit please fill us. You know my friend there's one baptism but there's many fillings. They were filled in Acts chapter 2 and they were filled again in Acts chapter 4. My question is are you full? Not just in your theology but in your experience. In reality are you full? Are you full? Holy Spirit fill us. Fill us tonight. Fill us fill us my friend to the extent that you are full of God is to the degree that you will give out of God the Bible says of Jesus of his fullness we have all received when you are full people will receive it just it's just a thing it just happens Lord let us be full let us be full Come on, begin to ask with a little more oomph. Lord, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Oh, He doesn't fill you from afar. He fills you from within. He rises up. He rises up within you. He's not afar, He's within, and He rises up. Holy Spirit, rise up within us, rise up within us, rise up, oh well, rise up, oh river. Lord, let this church be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us be filled Lord, even this physical building, let it be filled. That so when people walk through the doors, they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, we don't want the ordinary. We don't want the tame. We're not trying to be respectable. We will be fools for you any day. God, we don't care what people call us. It doesn't matter what name they give us. We make ourselves of no reputation. Let people see Jesus. Come on, press in a minute more. Press in a little bit more. And they were all with one accord In one place And suddenly there came a sound from heaven And it filled the house While they prayed And fasted The Holy Spirit said The Holy Spirit loves prayer He loves prayer meetings. The book of Acts was prayer meetings that broke out into other things. It was prayer times that broke out into other stuff. That's why Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Come on. Come on. Zabalo Corsica Mama, Onda Corsica Mamma, do Corsica Mamande. House of Prayer, House of Prayer, Shabato Corsica Mamande, Onda Corsica Mamande, Zabalo Corsica Mamande, Zokonde Corsica Babato Corsica Mamande, Zambando Corsica. On the Kosikela mama. We say we need another Pentecost. Pentecost was a prayer meeting. It was a prayer meeting that the Holy Spirit visited. That's what it was. Shabbato koshi kela mamato koshike la baba. Zokonde koshike lababan. Zambando koshike la mama tere. Shabato koshi kela mama. Zokola koshike na babato ko kela mamande. Lord, let us be filled. Let us be filled let us be filled Shokonda kosikela mamato kosonde zabato kosikelo kosonde ndekachitete mando kosikelo kosonde ondo come on just a minute more just a minute more shibato kosikela mamando kosia dababande ondo kosikelo kosikela kolababande lord let the glory rise let your glory rise let your glory rise Eighteen batoko sote be teke stir up the gift. The Bible says, "Stir up the gift, stir up the gift." Shekite mama toko sikela zabato te mama toko stir 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 up the gift. Shamatoko sikela zambando ko we stir, we stir, like the angels stirring the waters of the glory. We stir the gift, we stir the gift, we stir the gift, we stir the gift, we stir the gift. zabato stir the gift. Ondae me te shikete, zabato ko zambando ko shike onda ko shikele onde oshimater zabato te ma On ko shikele onda ko shike zabato ko sete te ma kaso sole ko ko zambando ko bambato Koshike, zambando Koshikela making a place making a place where the waters are stirred making a place of stirred waters stirred waters stirred waters, stirred waters stirring the waters we're stirring waters stirring waters and then we get in Then we get in the waters. Shamato kosik. Then we get in. Oh and it won't be like before It won't be like before It won't be hard like before You won't labor like before It'll just be waters that are stirred And those that get in the waters will be healed Semato koshike, on Made de Mato condende on the bende koshinte on the Mamadan a healing gift and a healing gift is being stirred a gift of the miraculous Mente moto koshinte, in the end Sabalo cotonde in the te cashite Zamato coshinde and my Zabalo coshinte in Onda mato cosi, Onda mato cosi kenda baba andodo te te keshi te, Zambandandenda malo coshinde, Onda mbende manate, Oshembando cosi kenda mande, Zambandende mate, Onda mato coshinde, Zambatonde, Zambambate, and we will stand and see the salvation of our God. We will stand and see it. Like witnesses, like witnesses, we will talk of the things that we've seen and that we've heard. And Amato Oh, and it will be the Lord's doing, but marvelous in our eyes. Samatokoshikein, Zabato Koshitein, Zamatoko shike, Zamatokoshike Lab, Bambato Koshike, Zembeitek Shikelab. Now, as I was praying, as I was praying, I saw in this section right here, I saw like at the area you would think of like a pool, like a round circular pool, like I would imagine in my mind's eye the pool of Bethesda to be. And the angel came and stirred the waters of the glory. And I see the waters of the glory being stirred in this place. And it might seem strange to the natural mind, but one might stand over there and not experience it. But one might come and stand right here and you'll experience the glory of God. Because the waters are stirred. Those waters are stirred. And I I see that... more miracles, more healings used to occur. They used to occur. But I hear the Lord saying, "But well, I'm stirring that gift back up. Stirring that gift back up. I'm talking about in this church, in this place. He's stirring that gift back up. On ka tamato ko dabalo ko and it won't be by might, and it won't be by power, but it will be by His Spirit. And those who step into that water will be glad they did. They'll be glad they did. They'll be glad they did. They'll be glad they did. <laughs> <laughs> On te ma and that well stewarded well will turn into a river. It will turn into a river. Shema a to cochi bato saying dambatocosote e mado coche la casinte Zambato Cosite Shekein da Basoko Le mado and whoever God in that water was healed. See, when the spirit raises up a standard, the devil can't stop it. He can't stop it. (laughs) What God loses, the devil can't keep bound.